Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning to everyone, and a happy Easter to you. Thank you for celebrating with us today. And as I was thinking about um, what today represents and, and just how special this day is, I was reminded every Sunday is a resurrection celebration, but today is special, isn't it, as we fix our eyes on our risen Lord. And, and the, uh, one of the traditions of the early church that's gone through the uh, centuries is, I'll say, He is risen, and we respond together. He is risen indeed. Amen. Hope lives. And so good to be together also um, just after what we've been through at these past couple years to gather in a one house together and praise him is, is a gift. And so thank you for being here. Excited to dig into our text today. As Marcy said, Acts chapter 2 is where we'll be. But, but as we go there, question for you. Have you experienced the just utter frustration of being completely lost? Anybody been there? It's uh, the moment that you set out to go somewhere, and you think you know the way, but you miss the turn, and then your certainty in life, like you are clear, and you're, you're, you know where you're going, how to get there, dissipates into utter confusion, and you're wondering, where am I, number one, and then how do I get back to where I need to be? Anyone been there? And I think it's safe to say we've, we've all been there. It's a, uh, it's a human experience, and there's probably a moment coming to your mind, and it would be great dinner table conversation today at, at lunch of, hey, what, what was your big lost moment? I know the one that immediately jumps to my mind was a high-stakes date in high school with a beautiful girl, and I thought for sure I knew the boy to this place. I'd been there before, 99% sure, but I missed the turn, and we ended up spending lots of time wandering around. Thankfully, she was as sweet and kind as she is beautiful, and she is now my wife, and uh, put up with my lostness, but, but it's painful, isn't it, to be lost? We, we've all felt that. Well, it's one thing to be, to be lost on a date, or lost trying to get somewhere here on earth, but the idea of struggling with confusion around life's biggest questions and most important questions, questions like, why are we even here, and who am I, who are we as humans, and and um, what about death? And what about life after death? And who is God? And if, if we can, can we know him? And if we can know him, how do we? And how do we live with him? And these questions can leave us in some confusion, especially as we go through the ups and downs of life. And the good news today is we have a message. We're going to be, be uh, just unpacking a message given from God through a guy who knew what it was to be lost. He, he confused about life and, and God's work in are in and around us. And the, the guy's name is Peter. It's a message that he gives there in Acts 2. And the, uh, what, what's beautiful about this message is it brings crystal clarity to life's most important question, which is who is Jesus of Nazareth and how is God working his plan of salvation through this, this one called Jesus? His message, I like to think of... Um, that sweet moment that you pull up the navigation app, you know, and boom, you know where you are, how to get there. And his message acts like that for us. It, it brings clarity. It's a bold message. It's unique. It's, it's not a, uh, 
one that he had time to prepare. It's more of a life message. It's a, he just stands up and goes, and he's responding to something that's happening. We'll, we'll give the background, but it's interesting that, that when Peter gives this message, there's really four areas that he talks about in the life of Christ. One, the life of Christ, two, his death, three, his resurrection, four, his ascension. And it leads to a, a really important question that this crowd has to grapple with. And today, I think we all must ask ourselves, have I missed the Messiah? Have I missed the Messiah? And what's neat is this question leads to a, a, an answer that is full of hope, and it's good news. And it leads to, Luke will tell us, over 3,000 people placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and, and following him. And so we'll... Uh, Dig into this text just to give you a quick background in case you're joining us today. And by the way, if you're a guest with us, as Marcy said, so good to have you and good to have, um, yeah, just everyone here. But hope you feel at home and, and welcome. But we've been working our way through the book of Acts. And if Acts is, is a, uh, it's a book written from a guy named Luke, a, a follower of Jesus. He was a doctor, first century to a friend to explain, okay, this is who Jesus is and this is how the gospel went from like this little band of disciples throughout the world. And he has a, a, a uh, his previous book is the Gospel of Luke. And when we go to the, just to set the scene here, Jesus has been, he's, re, he's been raised from the dead. He's gathering with his disciples. Actually, in uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 44, we see he's, he's sharing a meal with them, which is evidence of his um, bodily resurrection, where, you know, he's eating fish. But he's also explaining this to them in verse 44. This, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So everything Moses wrote, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the Pentateuch, history books, Jesus is, is there, and, and he explains to them, guys, this is where I was in the old, you can see me here, in the Psalms, in the prophets, but then he goes on and says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what was written is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and the, for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, he says to these disciples, you guys are witnesses of this, these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So we know the promise is the promise of God's indwelling presence, his Holy Spirit. But, but when we open up the book of Acts, this is where we find them. They're waiting in Jerusalem for this gift that, that God promises, the empowering to talk about Jesus and, and to share Jesus. So you, re, you open up Acts, you see them there, and then Acts chapter 2, the gift is given. And they have the, the ability, supernatural ability, to speak in languages that they had not studied, foreign languages of the people that were listening to them. It's a unique um, ability, and, and it was for the spread of the good news that that Jesus is the Christ and offers salvation through faith in him. Well, the crowd's like, what's going on? This is sounding crazy. These backwoods fishermen pretty much are speaking in languages that they haven't studied. And so they think they're drunk. And P Peter stands up there in uh, Acts 2, verse 14, and he, he explains. It says this, Acts 2, 14, then, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. 
No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. So the, the book of Joel in the Old Testament, he prophesied that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on earth below. The blood and, or blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will, will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is what Joel said. This is the Old Testament. And I love the way he ends there, that with this beautiful um, truth that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But it leaves us asking, okay, still, what's going on? And what's it mean to call on the name of the Lord? And who is the Lord? And questions and confusions. And that's where Peter's message brings a beautiful clarity. He, he's going to um, come after a, a really a core question, and that is this. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And what he will do, now Peter, as I mentioned, a guy who was often confused about who Jesus was and his plan and how God was working out his eternal redemptive plan through this Jesus, he gives us these four categories, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension as we unpack it. So he starts with the life of Jesus. Verse 22, he says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, so he's from a town, a place, a, a place here on earth, was a man, and he's focusing on his humanity. Jesus, fully God, and yet clothed himself with humanity, fully man. He was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. And so the essence of, of what he's saying here is, guys, Jesus he was with us, and God gave proof that, that he was working through him through sign after sign after sign, healing people, giving sight to people, the, uh, helping the, the lame walk again, feeding the 5,000. And I can picture, you know, Peter even catching the eyes of some of the people in the crowd saying, guys, you were there. Like, Lazarus, maybe Lazarus was even in the crowd as he's saying this, he was dead. I mean, there was four days, and called him out from the the, the grave. You've seen him. You, you, you guys know about these things. He's saying, you know, the life of Jesus, you've seen it. And God was giving his accreditation or, or approval to this one that he is the Messiah. And what's his point? You missed it. You missed it. Sign after sign after sign, God was staking in the ground that this is the one and you missed the Messiah. But he goes on and explains, uh, so he has the life of Jesus, but then he moves to the death of Jesus. In 23, as he says, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. It's the mystery of, of the cross. He says, this was not something that um, was an accident, meaning, I'm sure people here were thinking, okay, if this is the Messiah, how come he died on a cross? How come we were able to put him to death? How can he be the Messiah? And Peter's pulling open the window of, of God's sovereign plan, which to us blurs into mystery at some point, but it's, it's reality that God, this was not a, a contingency plan, the death of Jesus for our sin. This was something that in eternity past, birthed in, the, in an infinite love for you and for me, 
the father said, I will give my son. And Jesus said, I will go to pay for our sins on the cross. But we also see human responsibility as he says, not only this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him on a cross. He's saying, all right, this one that, that you sign after sign, you saw his life and yet you missed the Messiah. And not only did you miss him, but you actually killed him, crucified him. But then he moves to really the heart of his message. And this is where the resurrection is, is what changes everything. This is what, um, you know, for his followers, it changes everything. For us, it changes everything. And it's the event that, that we stake our faith to. The one who was dead is alive. And he, he describes it this way. He says in verse 24, But God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And I love this picture of, of Jesus defeating death. And, and for those of us I know in this room, we've, we struggle with that. We've been hurt by death. And, and death is, for all of us, it's a place we're going. But for those of us in Christ, it is not something we fear. And even in death, there is incredible comfort from him. But still, they're wondering, okay, he, he's, okay we've, his life, his death, his resurrection, but how can we know this? And he goes on and Peter argues from the scriptures, which they believed, and he quotes a psalm. So this is something that David wrote, king, the king of Israel wrote hundreds of years earlier, Psalm 16, verse 8. And, and what's unique about this, we call this, scholars call these messianic psalms, but they're psalms that, this was true of David but it was also something through the Holy Spirit he was prophesying to be true of Jesus. And the ultimate fulfillment was in Christ. We see it where he says, uh, but David said about him. So as David writes Psalm 16, he's actually speaking of Christ as well. And this was Jesus' experience. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. What was Jesus seeing as he went to the cross for us? And it was his father. He says, I, the Lord, I saw my fa the Lord, or his father, always before him. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. And what's Peter's point and what's the, the prophecy? When Jesus laid down his life for us, he laid it down with what? Hope. Because he knew that his his soul would not be abandoned to the realm of Sheol or the dead, and his body would not see decay. When he died, he died with a hope, with a faith that his father had him. And he says, you have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. So Peter says, now this is his argument, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently the patriarch David died and was buried, and his body is here today. Speaking of his, his bones, his literal body, we know his soul went with, to be with the Lord, but Today, David's body is here. And, and what he's getting at is this wasn't just about David. This was about the coming king. It says, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what, what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God raised, and, and this is the summary in verse 32, God raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of it. As Peter stands to 
to bring clarity to their confusion. And as God speaks through Peter to us today, what's the simple message? And, and the simple reality is Jesus came fully human. God gave him science, gave us signs through what he did. He died for us, laid down his life for us on the cross. But here it is. I love how he just says, God raised this Jesus to life. And guys, we're witnesses of this. And Peter wasn't the only witness. We know there were multiple witnesses who over, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, over 500 of people who saw him, who ate with him, who talked with him, saw his body, like saw him take a bite of fish and saw, touch Thomas, touch him, his, the scars in his hands. He is alive, Peter's saying. And can you feel the passion in his voice? As he's talking to these people, this crowd, and he's like, guys, we're witnesses of this and you missed it. You missed it. You missed the Messiah. He, he came. There were signs. That he died for us. He rose from the dead, and you missed it. But he doesn't stop there. And he goes to the place where I think God wants us to fix our eyes on today, and that is the ascension of Jesus. Verse 33, he says this, Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear, the gift of the Holy Spirit to these people, empowering them to be a, a witness for him. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a, a footstool for your feet. It's Psalm 10, verse 1, another messianic psalm that was not only about David, but about Christ. Therefore, and this is where he just brings it all together, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. Know this to be true. God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Savior. And, and as Peter wraps up this message, he's lifting our eyes, their eyes, to just lock in on the risen Lord. This one, Jesus of Nazareth, he is the risen Lord. He is both the Lord, King of kings, and Messiah, or Christ. He is the one who came to deliver us and save us. As you think about this message, really, and it's interesting right here, Peter doesn't resolve the tension. He just lets this reality and these truths land and just lay there. But basically, what's he saying to these people? You missed the Messiah. Like, this was... Where is God at work in the world today? And how, who is this Jesus? And how is God working out his plan of salvation through this Jesus? He came as a man. Isaiah said he would. Isaiah 53. Prophecy after prophecy predicted. He came to Bethlehem as a born of the line of David, royalty, into Bethlehem, the house of bread. He's the one who said, I am the bread of life. Prophecy after prophecy fulfilled in this one, and you missed it. And not only did you miss it, but you crucified him. But yet, his crucifixion, his death, and God's incredible wisdom and love was the very thing. Your greatest wrong is the very thing that will save your soul if you will turn to him in faith. And, and it's not over at the cross. He was raised from the dead. And why does the resurrection matter? Because it verifies every truth claim. If the resurrection didn't happen, we have no faith in Jesus. And everything he said was a lie and he was a fraud. But if the resurrection did happen, everything he said 
must be dealt with. You cannot reject a man who is dead. He is alive. We are witnesses of it. And not only did the, the disciples and the followers of Christ see him alive, they saw him raised, ascended as the Son of God to the right hand of the Father where he is reigning and ruling today. And if he is there, if he is there, and we crucified him, this is not good. It's not good. You missed the Messiah. And so what is the response? And the, uh, the people, verse 37, when they hear this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I love that response. The, the text says they were cut to the heart and then they're asking this simple question. So what do we do? When we're confronted with the fact that we're going the wrong direction, we've missed the turn, and, and especially the big one in we have not responded to Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, what is our response? What, what's the fitting response? And the tendency is to become defensive, walk away from that. It's hard to look at our failure, but where is healing? Healing is in having a soft heart, allowing God's Word to cut to our heart, and then just saying, okay, what do I do? What's my response? And I love Peter's response. And this is where hope explodes all over this text. And this is the good news as he says this. Peter replied, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom God will call. What is our response? The fitting response is to repent and be baptized. The, the idea of repent there is a unique word. It, it means to change direction. It's a change of mind which leads to a change of direction or a change of life. And so you say, well, what's the change of mind? It's about who Jesus is in these four categories. It's, um, it's admitting or, or seeing, okay, I, I see him clearly now that he is, he came fully human to, to take my sin upon himself, live the perfect life I couldn't, but, but to take my sin upon himself. It's changing our mind about what the cross is about, that he died for me, and the resurrection. It's believing that he did raise from, rise from the dead, and then that he has ascended, and he is reigning as Lord. And then as we accept these as true, we believe them, we put our trust in them, and, and bank our life on these realities, it leads to a change of life. True repentance, true faith always leads to life change. We, we begin to follow him as our Lord and, and walk with him. And, and our greatest desire in life is no longer to please self, myself, but to please him. And we, we step into this intimate relationship with the living God. So what's the next step? What's, what's the, um, that step of obedience that is evidence that we are following him as Lord? It's baptism. He says, repent and be baptized. You say, why baptism? It's because Jesus said, okay, this is the, the initiation into my family and into a walk with me. Baptism is a picture of our union with Christ where we go under the water, we die, and as we do, we die with him. We die to our old way of life. And the water, as we come up, it washes up. It's the picture of um, being washed clean of our sin and we are raised to a new life, raised to new life in Christ, a new creation in Christ. It's, a, uh, it's also a beautiful picture of, of us just letting everyone know that He is my Lord and Savior. That, that it, 
I see the risen Lord, I, I, and I'm following him. That uh, it's letting the, our faith family know, hey, I'm, I'm all in to follow Jesus. And it's also letting the watching world know that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord. And so what is our fitting response as we uh, process this message and ask the question that this crowd is asking, have I missed the Messiah? The first obvious response is to repent and be baptized. If, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have not come to that point where you've knelt before the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and the one who gave his life on the cross for you, confessed your sin to him and asked him to be your Savior, Today, that's your step, to repent. And God, through his word, is inviting you into a love relationship with him through this simple turn. You know in the GPS where you miss your turn and it's like, turn around, turn around, turn around, and that sweet reality of going back the right way. And this is the path to life. As, as the, uh, David said, you have made known to me the paths of life. Life at its best is found in a relationship with the living God, and it starts through repentance and then baptism. And I invite you into that today. That if you haven't, just, and you just tell God, God, I confess my sin to you, and I believe that you are who you said you are. I believe that Jesus is the one who came for us, died for us, was raised to dead, ascended to heaven. I'm trusting you as my Savior. Would you take that step today? And if you have questions about that, I'd love to, to talk with you, or someone around you would love to, to help you in that journey. If you need more time to just process, we want our church family to be a safe place for you to journey, but please keep seeking the question, who is Jesus? We have a book at our guest services called, Since Nobody's Perfect, How Good is Good Enough? And great, really, discussion around, most people believe the lie that I, I can do enough good to be right with God and get to heaven. The reality is none of us can. We're, we've all um, failed in a way that we can't ever work our way back into God's favor, but Christ came, lived the perfect life that we couldn't, and through faith in him, we can be right with God. And this book walks, walks us through that and invite you to pick one of those up. This time of year, spring is, every year, do you find yourself being surprised by spring every time it comes? It's just like, wow, everything's coming back to life. This is awesome. These flowers are just popping up out of the ground. They're beautiful in the green grass, and even the bugs, even the ants that are tromping around now is, is good as we kill them. The uh, <laughs> spring is, is just awesome, and it's this picture every year. I think God just reminds us. He, the first mowing last week, as I was mowing along, I was just being reminded, you know what? He's the one who keeps it all alive. Lord, it's, a, it's not on me. My life, it's you. And this new life in Christ, it, it's him. And there's one thing more beautiful than a flower come spring or birds singing or green grass, blue sky. And it's a human soul that turns in faith to the God of this universe and says, I believe, I trust you. And he does what only he does. He brings new life, regeneration through his Holy Spirit. He cleanses us from our sin, washes our sin away. The text says this is the promise, and it's for all people. It's for you, it's for your kids, it's for people who are far off, those who have done things they think God can never forgive. No. He cleanses us of our sin, and he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that, the, the, the constant presence of the living God, so that there's never a moment that we're alone. 
He empowers us. He comforts us. He walks with us. Nothing more beautiful than a life lived and a life fully alive in Christ. Amen? The, uh, and then the sec- a second response. I'm guessing most of us here today have trusted Christ. You have repented and you've been baptized. So what's the gift of this message for us, from Peter for us, for us today? And I believe what God wants us, the calling of this text to us who know Christ, is a calling to renewed devotion to our risen Lord. And man, I tell you, it, it's a battle down here to keep our eyes on our risen Lord, isn't it? Every day, every week, I, I feel the pull in my own soul anyway of getting caught up in chasing the things of this world, things that are temporary. Everything in this world except people and the Word of God are going to be soon gone. And yet I'm chasing this stuff, and it's messing me up, giving me fear, giving me anxiety, and all along the Lord's just saying, hey, John, hey, John. And I believe through this text, right there in the middle, verse 25, where where it says, this is how Jesus lived while he was here, Psalm, Psalm 16. I saw the Lord always before me. Therefore, I saw the Lord always before me with him at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I just want to encourage you, my brother and sister in Christ today, whatever you are going through, what God is calling us to is to fix our eyes on him as our risen Lord and not let that gaze be affected by anything. We've got to fight for the gaze, don't we? Not a moment goes by that we're we're tempted to become distracted, to chase other things, to to chase the... um, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you, and and seeking him, pursuing him. And so today, this Easter, I think the invitation of God to us through his his word today is a renewed devotion, just to tell the Lord again, I'm all in. Maybe you've been distracted over the past couple years, and it's been crazy, and your soul's all messed up, and, and God's just whispering, hey, come back, come back, and just follow me. Guys, he is the risen Lord. He's the risen Lord today, reigning and ruling. Now, we're weak, and we're running through a battle, and it's hard at times, I know. But there's never a moment when his all-sufficient power is not available to you in whatever you're going through. And I just bring that word of encouragement to you. Would you respond with renewed devotion? And then the last response, which is really a reflex to, uh, to fixing our eyes on our risen Lord, is great joy. As we fix our eyes on him, our overflow is great joy. We see this in verses 25 and, and following there. As he's quoting Psalm 16, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Wes said something on Good Friday during our Good Friday service that just um, hit me hard. That is this. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Our troubles are real, but they are temporary. Our joy in Christ is eternal. Our troubles are temporary. Our joy is eternal. You have made known to me the path of life. Guys, the reality today, who is Jesus? 
He's the one who came. Did not have to come, but he came, took on humanity, entered our messed up world. He came as a humble servant, and he died a death that we deserve on the cross. Suffering the judgment that we deserve with the love for you and for me that's immeasurable. But the cross was not the end. He rose from the dead. A resurrection that all of us, if you are in Christ, you will experience as well. And he has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He reigns today. And he makes known to us the paths of life. And he fills us with joy in his presence, starting today into eternity. This is our God. This is reality. And as I think about the gift of of God's word to us today, bringing it all together, it is simply this, spoken through Peter, don't miss the Messiah. Don't miss the Messiah. Repent and believe. Allow your devotion to be renewed and respond with great joy to what he has done. On my GPS when I pull, and thank the Lord for GPS these days. Life just keeps getting better and better, doesn't it? You can just punch. When I'm lost, which I often, I'm directionally challenged to be able to punch in, all right. I pull that up, and on the links that, that I click the most, I, the, one of the, the first link on the list is, I've, I've entitled it, Home Sweet Home. <laughs> and I love, you know, being out there somewhere and then just being able to click Home Sweet Home, and it gives me the path. Clarity. I know how to get to home. This text today, What God has given us through his word leads us to the home for our soul, doesn't it? Home sweet home. Our home is in our relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, we know the path home. uh, And I invite you again, if you haven't placed your faith and trust in Christ, take that step today and we'd love to help you in that journey. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the, uh, just the clarity that Peter's message that he gave hundreds of years ago brings to us today as we live out the life that you've given us. To just know that, Jesus, you came fully human into our mess to die in our place, to be raised again, and then you are ascended today as our risen Lord. And in these moments, Lord, we just fix our eyes on you. pray for each person here today that that you would meet each of us where we are and give us what we need. For those who may not have a relationship with you, Lord, I pray that you would save their soul and just open their eyes to the beauty of who you are. Give them faith to believe and to follow you. For those of us who know you, I pray that you would stoke our devotion. I pray that the, the glimpse of you as our risen Lord would would not fade from our sight. And Lord, we pray that you would just fill us with great joy as we celebrate today and just often reminded that, that you have made known to us the path of life. You fill us with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures forever. And we thank you for that. We praise you for that and worship you for that today. Thank you for these times to be this time to be together. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.